0: Welcome back in everybody to another episode of the uptempo podcast. I'm your host Blake Lane and today we are joined by a special guest Christopher Stock. He is coming on to talk all things Miami Hurricanes football and uh, I've really got a good episode for you uh, on this uh, Thursday afternoon and, and he gives us a, a good solid 30 minutes of his time. And, man, we talk about numerous things. We talk about Cristobal and his departure from Oregon to Miami. When did that Miami um, University know that um, that Cristobal was on his way down? I know they parted ways with Manny Diaz. And uh, it's, it's real exciting times down there for that fan base. He talks about that. How long is it going to take to get back to national dominance? He gives a little insight on uh, recruiting for Miami. And uh, he talks a little bit about Josh Gaddis coming down from Michigan uh, as the new offensive coordinator for Crystal Ball. And our guy at Auburn, man, Kevin Steele, uh, going down as D.C. for Crystal Ball. So uh, he talks a little bit about the impact that uh, his, his staff has made Uh, so far in recruiting and and the job that they have done and really blazing on the trail so um, a lot of good stuff and we talk about expectations in year one and then we uh, we go back and and do a little rewind segment and talk about uh, the the pass interference call in that national championship game between Miami and Ohio State and that was really cool to get his side of that and uh, we uh, we talk about uh, the, the college football playoff expansion and we get his take on should it go to, to eight or 12 teams or should it stay at four, or, you know, and and that was really exciting. So like I said, I got a great episode for you all today. And, and Christopher gives really solid stuff on Miami football. So I'm not going to uh, make you guys wait any longer. And, and here it comes right at you. Welcome back, everybody, and today we are joined by special guest, Christopher Stock, the owner of InsideTheU.com and covering everything Miami Hurricanes over at 247 Sports. Christopher, man, how you doing today?
1: Doing good, Blake, man. I appreciate you having me on. I do want to mention I know you're a big Auburn fan. I grew up a big Bo Jackson fan, uh, so I always had a thing for Auburn. A few years ago, I had a chance to, to visit the Auburn campus, get a picture of the statue of Bo outside and, and, you know,
0: have eliminated tumors there. So, enjoyed a quick trip uh, over to Auburn. But I know I'm here to talk about Miami, but I just want to make the question of that real quick. Man, that's all. That's awesome. And and uh, we love that Bo Jackson in Auburn. And uh, he, uh, he he does some special things still in the state of Alabama. I know he no longer lives here and everything, but uh, he, he bikes Bama every year, and that's really cool. But, Christopher, man, I took a trip to Miami a couple of years ago to the orange bowl to watch, uh, Alabama and Oklahoma. My mom, she's a really big Alabama fan. And, um, you know, me, my dad, my mom, we went down there, we saw the, the university of Miami and we went to South beach and experienced college game day. And I mean, it was everything that you could ever imagine, man. And, and, you know, I'm an, I'm a nineties kid born in 91 and coming up Miami was, <laughs> they were everything. And, and, you know, like I said, man, Clinton Portis and and all those guys, the the Sean Taylor's and Jonathan Vilma's—I could go on and on. And I was always a big uh, Willis McGahee fan. Uh, that that was my guy uh, growing up at, at, in my teenage years and everything. So uh, it was just a, a really awesome trip, man. So that,
1: that's great to hear, and, and that's great to hear you're able to experience that with your, your family, close ones, and that's why we all love sports. And- Certainly we love our, our own teams and different teams, but just being able to go to different places and see other places in the country, it, certainly it's a great time. I'm glad you had a good time at, at Miami. I, I certainly enjoyed my time down here.
0: Man, that's awesome, man. Uh, Christopher, man, I, you know, jumping into the football talk of things, um, I had I had Joel Gunderson on here from scoopduck.com um, earlier when we went over all. Um, Excuse me, Oregon, and uh, and we were talking about Cristobal leaving his departure to Miami, and he was saying that people around the Oregon program and they could kind of tell after their Utah loss, the first Utah loss, that he it kind of seemed like he checked out of Oregon, and he kind of knew something was up, um, and maybe that that Miami job was opening. Uh, how did when did Miami know that they were getting Cristobal? You
1: know, I, I think. Just in general, with Mario Cristobal, and I had a chance to cover him when he was at UM UM as a coach years ago, in kind of the mid 2000s there. Mm -hmm. Look, Miami was always going to, it was always a dream job for him. So Mm -hmm. it was always going to be a job he was going to pay attention to. Now, you know how it is circumstances, and um, sometimes you don't end up there. Sometimes you have better situations. He was certainly in a great situation at Oregon. It just eventually became a point where, it worked out for both sides. Miami decided to to really fully invest, put more money into the football program, Mm -hmm. um, fully committed. And I think once Cristobal found out that that was, um, going to be the case, certainly he was interested as far as Miami, as soon as they started to feel like, look, this is not working with coach Diaz. He's not going to get us to where we ultimately want to be. They didn't believe he was going to, the program was Mm -hmm. struggling. They jumped out to two and four, um, and I think everybody around the country should have been aware that Miami was was certainly looking for a new coach, whether they publicly announced it or not. And certainly coaches know this. Mario Cristobal would have known this. Other mm-hmm. coaches around the country, hey, Miami's struggling a little bit. Coach Diaz isn't getting it done in year three. They knew that it would be a possibility of it opening up. So I, I think everyone's pretty aware of what wasn't one of these things where they fell apart of the end the season and oh oh my goodness there, there's an opening now Miami started off terrible yeah uh, and they were on watch uh, around the country for every everybody involved and i think that's what ultimately what now you know i, I can't speak on when crystal ball and, and how he thought at And i know he mm-hmm. wants to win games uh very competitive guys so but i will say you know um certainly Mario was the top of the list for Miami. There's a lot of good coaches out there, but they always wanted Mario and mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't always work out with your top choice, but they certainly were, were heavily interested in him, the people at the top. And, um, there's a lot of excitement right now. He, he's here and, and I know we'll get into probably some
0: expectations mm-hmm. for him, but definitely
1: a lot of excitement
0: here. Well, man, you know, Auburn, you know, they went through a coaching change last year and his name come up, uh, in that and, and, Auburn kind of flirted around with Mario and all that stuff that went on. I never really uh, spent much time putting, you know, putting investing in it and thinking that it was going to happen. But, uh, you know, now I look and you guys hire Kevin Steele as your DC, uh, former Auburn guy. And, and I really like what he does on the uh, defensive side of the ball. And then you also stole uh, Josh Gaddis from Michigan, man. And, and looking at their uh, offense last year, could you talk about the staff that Mario is putting together? I mean, it, it looks phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it took a while to get going, right? Like, mm-hmm. Because it just the hires took a while. You know, Miami fans are a little impatient. Um, but as long as, ultimately, as long as he gets to the, to the final uh, quality staff, that's ultimately what matters. And mm-hmm. what was seemingly happening, that even though they didn't have this full staff put together, he was still able to recruit. Um, complete a good class in 2022 and even without the full class uh, or the full coaching staff. So, yes, mm-hmm. you mentioned he gets a quality veteran guy with Kevin Steele. You know all about him. He's been around all around the Southeast, a lot yes. of top programs, been involved with, and that's what you want. Miami needs guys like this. They've not had guys like this for a while or for a majority of the time, the last 10 to 15 years or so. Now, Coach Rick brought in some guys that have experience, but he mm-hmm. touched on. Kevin Steele again, veteran guy in the '60s there, and now he brings in Josh Gaddis from Michigan, who wins the Boyles Award. And uh, yeah, he touched on Michigan's offense and not, you know the playoff team and everything. A young guy mm-hmm. that's destined to be a head coach in the future if everything goes well. Uh, it, it's going well, you know. They pick up the Jamal and I. You know, a defensive backs coach from Georgia. That was they just huge. Won a national title. You pick him up. Okay, mm-hmm. now you're starting to piece this thing together. And, uh, He's still got a couple more spots to fill publicly, but it, it's, it's coming together. Well, uh, and certainly we'll see how results happen, but there's reason to be excitement excited right now, at Miami and the staff that's being put together. And as you know, it's not all about the, the head coach. You've got to have mm-hmm. good pieces, uh, 10 assistants around you.
0: Yeah, man, I always believe in you have to let your assistant coaches coach and do their job as well. And, uh, you know, Christopher, you touched a little bit on the recruiting that he did without his staff being fully in place. Could you talk about some of the guys that Miami got in such short time? I know uh, we mentioned in the in the pre-show when, before we started recording, uh, Miami stole one from Auburn that I thought, I mean, for a long time Trevante Citizen was coming to Auburn and uh, Cristobal just snatched the rug out, man. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, essentially they got guys that were – either not
1: in, involved with, or guys they certainly were not going to get um, unless Cristobal was the head coach. And and essentially meaning they weren't going to come to Miami with Coach Diaz in place. Uh, they just either guys that they were kind of wanted or they did want. Um, A guy that stands out to me is Jaleel Skinner, a four-star tight end that was going to go to Alabama. Um, Mm. He liked Miami before, but he pushed Alabama, and and Cristobal got him to, to flip. Um, that was not going to happen under the preview and then that's the big thing with with coach Cristobal you got guys to 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 go in on Miami um, that they just wouldn't have got you know Nigel Lee Kelly's a four-star defensive lineman a local guy that certainly Miami wanted I just don't think he was coming Um, and he he kind of flatly has said that he wouldn't have came if DS was coach wow they get him on board so you're picking up you're not just picking up quantity and sometimes you do that coaching changes mm-hmm. with that transition class you get a good three-star guy if you can you just worry about the next class and that's not what coach did here he Cyrus Moss a guy that wasn't even considering Miami his top 100 defensive end out, out of Vegas they get him to come on board and he mm. had, you know Oregon was involved USC um, Alabama at one point you know these are guys other schools wanted and, and he was able to get these guys. You touched on Travante Citizen. Essentially, the Miami fan base had no idea who he was
0: until <laughs>
1: Cristobal comes along because he just wasn't in the picture. And that's yep. what's been so impressive is you're, you're getting these guys that just wouldn't have came. And he did a good job of getting some quality. They didn't. It's not a big class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fourteen people, fourteen guys, but you know, they get some quality, and I think that's good. And they've added some transfers, and we'll continue. I think they'll continue to look for transfers. Um,
0: after the spring man uh, a a lot of talent coming into miami man and and one thing i want to talk about is a guy that y'all have already got down there and that's tyler van dyke uh the season that that happened last year and now um what kind of season do y'all expect him in in 2022 and and i man i think it's going to be a huge year could you talk about that yeah the big
1: thing is Taking that jump and winning games for Tyler. Look, mm-hmm. he did well. ACC Offensive uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, he he struggled early, uh, lost a couple games there, first couple uh, couple of starts in the ACC, and then turns it around, get, gets some wins going, puts up some big numbers. Essentially, you know, what was really impressive is he had at least three touchdown passes in his final six games. didn't wow. get a chance to play in the bowl game. In all six of those games, he throws for over 300 yards. He's a 6'4 guy with a big right arm, um, throws it downfield pretty good. You know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, he's got that big arm and, and good accuracy downfield. The big thing with Tyler now, look, it's one thing to, to step up and kind of surprise people, and he did that throughout the year. And, and again, it wasn't just a couple games. He did, you know, obviously on the scouting report, but now he has a whole offseason expectations growing he's got to adapt to a new offense mm-hmm. um, and, and he's got a couple his top two receivers are gone so it's not that he can't have a good season mm-hmm. it's just there are some things he will have to work through he's got a lot of a lot of attention on him he's the guy now um, mm-hmm. you know he took over last year after the starter went down with the venture season and the ventures so he mm-hmm. got thrown in there didn't have a choice now he's the guy and leadership is big for him but just all the attention on him um and I think the big thing is you certainly want to grow with, you know, you got that, even though wins were coming on, you know, didn't play well against Florida State, a rivalry game, lose that game, uh, throws a couple of interceptions. And, uh, you know, it's just more consistency, but, you know, winning games certainly at a place like Miami, you know, we touched on Auburn, just at these big schools, you've got to win games.
0: No doubt. No doubt, man. And uh, uh, Christopher, man, who, who is behind him in that QB room? Yeah. So Jake Garcia, he's a guy that, yeah. um, he's a year younger.
1: He was a guy personally, I was really excited about, um, coming in. He gets hurt last year. Um, I thought he was going to beat out Tyler simply put. Um, and I felt like that's what they thought internally. Um, mm. Albert, Jake gets hurt. That goes down with an injury. Tyler's the guy that that's available. And then Tyler takes advantage of his opportunity. Now Jake's, um, essentially in this backup role, you know, he's not going to get the opportunity unless Tyler struggles Just mm-hmm. based on what happened last year. Um, but I like him. He's got good ability. Uh, so they have him. He's the backup. He'll be the backup. And then they just bring in Ja'Kari Brown, a guy out of Georgia, a dual threat guy who showed a lot of improvements. Um, so there's talent in the quarterback room. and um, And Jake is still on board. You know, that's people thought maybe he would transfer because Tyler's still around. But the thing is, Look, if Tyler has another good year, he's going to have a chance to, to leave early. Yep. This will be his third year; he'll have a decision to make if it's if it's that good of a season. And then Jake can kind of step in the following year. But we'll see. Um, you know, how quarterbacks are you know he's <laughs> well on the field. So
0: That's if bad. Jake feels
1: like it's not an option, or um, you know, but but like I said, right now he's excited about Miami and um, just has to be patient, essentially, and get better. You know, he's got to. Uh, take advantage of his practice. Perhaps he missed some time a little bit last year, obviously, with the
0: injury. Well, Christopher, man, looking at this 2022 season, man, um, year one for Mario, could you kind of go over the schedule a little bit, uh, some key matchups and expectations for year one?
1: Yeah, the, the big thing is, you know, um, you know, it, it starts with, I mean, they, they play a couple games, but then they go at Texas A&M in game three. Wow. A lot of people are excited about Texas A&M. With what they're going to be bringing back. Miami's going to be underdogs in that game. Miami returns, guys, but they, went, you know, they didn't have a great season last year. 7-5, mm-hmm. uh, you don't know what exactly you are going to get from year one out of a coach, but Miami's got some good talent. I, again, with the ACC, is going to be taking a step back with a lot of teams in terms of replacing quarterbacks. That's mm-hmm. a big thing with the ACC. It's not um, real deep across the board in terms of, every position being strong, but like last year, you had some good quarterbacks in the conference and it kind of makes it a little bit tougher, but a lot of people, a lot of turnover there. So look, Miami in their division, uh, it's not an overwhelming division. It's not like mm-hmm. one of these other divisions around the country. You know, you got, you know, Virginia tech and North Carolina, you know, Duke George tech, these aren't overwhelming teams, mm-hmm. uh, in the division. So Miami essentially, if they're operating, um, uh, where they need to be they should be successful you know they do play at Clemson this year they don't usually Mm. um, have to play Clemson they've been able to avoid Clemson uh, in recent years and the times they've played them recently they've gotten drilled so Mm -hmm. those are the two big games uh, on the road tough environments and we'll see if if Mario can get one of those huge wins in year one and then obviously Florida State's down he played them at home he's got to win that game Mm. um just, just rivalry standpoint, you want to start uh, get some good positive trends going in your rivalry game. But yeah, it, a lot's going to be said in terms of where Miami can finish. Can they? I certainly think they can. You know, win the division if it all goes well. If Clemson's a little bit down, can Miami win the ECC? It's never happened mm. since they joined the conference in 4 They've only won the division once. They only have one 10-win season since 03 Wow. So, there's always a lot of hype with this team. That, that's what Miami's been good at. Um, I think under Cristobal, they're going to be
0: looking to deliver results. Man, that was good stuff right there. Uh, Christopher, man, at, I'm looking at Clemson, and, and they're having some struggles at the quarterback spot, and, and uh, definitely not Deshaun Watson back there. And, then, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, that could be a winnable game for you guys. Uh, and, man – you know, one big thing to me is is you know, like I said earlier, growing up and just watching um, Miami and USC and Ohio State and and um, you know all those blue blood programs, man. You know, how long do you think this is going to take for before Miami gets back to the to the national dominance? I,
1: I think Miami should be in a national um, conversation. I think you take your steps, you win your division. You know, kind of multiple times in a, in a good grouping, right? Three mm-hmm. out of four years, something like that, back to back. Do something positive again. It's only happened once in the last, you know, essentially twenty years. I mean, they need to get back to, to doing those kind of things, kind of dominating. And I don't think I don't think Miami is as far uh, away in terms of being. You know, can they be a consistent top fifteen program? Can they get into mm-hmm. the playoffs? A lot has to go right to get into that. Uh, Miami has a ways to go. I don't want to. Oversell it there, but mm-hmm. look, Coach Cristobal, you touched on his coaching staff. You know, they touched on these recruits. You know, it, is it unreasonable to think in a couple, two, three years, Miami can't have a, a, a good team? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that they should be able to do that. Um, the one thing about Miami, um, you keep touching on some of these guys that played at Miami in the past, and yep. even though the, the results haven't been there for Miami, the one thing that has not changed is there's still talent in South Florida, It is there's not tons down. of it. If it's not one of these things that has gone away from the area or it's harder to work, you know, these kind of things, it's still in place and it still pumps out recruits. You, when you have that for any program across the country, when you have mm-hmm. your talent base strong, you have a chance of having a good, good team. And again, when you talk about Miami, what they recruit against. They don't they don't go head to head with their division foes. You know they're not mm-hmm. going head to head very often with Duke, props, Duke players. Uh, it's just a simple mm-hmm. fact of things. Even Virginia Tech, you know they just don't go head to head with those division. It's kind of a unique situation. So they should be able to to be more consistently winning their division. And I I, I flat out honest, I, I just think it should happen um, sooner than later. And I wouldn't have I haven't always said that with every coach that's come through here. <laughs> I, think, I just haven't. I one one thing I like to say is, you know, over over the years, essentially, you know, with Clemson and Florida State certainly doing really well during this time too, I would have been surprised if Miami won the conference. Simply put under mm. these coaches, mm-hmm. even what those two schools have been doing. With Coach Cristobal, the state of the ACC, I would be surprised if he doesn't win an ACC title at some point or some point soon. No you know, doubt. Say it, declaring it this year, but it's kind of the reverse. I, I just think that um, there's reasons for the excitement, and, and I think he's going to back it up with results. I'd be surprised if he didn't.
0: Mm, I, I agree 100%, man. I think they are on the way, and I want them back on top of the college football world. Uh, I know I'm a huge Auburn fan, but – like I said, man, I was always uh, the 30 for 30s on the U and Michael Irvin and all. Man, it's just uh, college football is better when the Blue Bloods are, uh, are on top, man. And, and uh, I, you know, I want to throw one quick one at you because uh, it, it always sticks out to me. Um, Miami, Ohio State, is that still the worst pass interference call in the history of college football? Well, I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, Miami fans still bring that up, you know. It's still, uh, you know, Miami and Ohio State have played a few times since then. Yes. Uh, you know, look, it, it's one thing, you can erase things like that in your memory. You can always be disappointed if you go on to have positive results uh, afterwards. I think you're talking mm-hmm. about that, but Miami has not had that. The next year, that was in O two, O three. 2003, um, they go 11 and 2. They have six first rounders. That's Sean Taylor's year. Mm. And then from that 03 season, they had one 10 1 season after that. And like I said, not winning a conference title. They're not winning, I think they won just a, a few bowl games. You know, it's not mm-hmm. even, you know, you're just not having a lot of success. So, of course, that's going to stick out in everybody's mind. And if you start winning um, big time, you can start to put that 02 memory. Uh, in the back of your mind, a little
0: bit easier. Well, Christopher, man, you know, I'm up here in SEC country, and uh, there's been a lot of good teams here recently uh, with 19 LSU uh, people saying that the Joe Burrow team's the greatest college football team of all time. But uh, is is the 2001 Miami Hurricanes the best college football team of all time?
1: I mean, I think so. And I
0: think yeah. the
1: big thing you look at, what, what kind of separates them is – the amount, the amount of talent—it's really impressive. I don't have all the numbers, but the mm-hmm. amount of first-rounders on the, the total on that team, their dominance that they had during the, the season—I I think you'd uh, have a tough argument um, or to make the case that they, they're that they're not the, the best. But certainly, I'm saying that. And you mentioned that the LSU team—certainly a lot of respect mm-hmm. to, to what they were able to do that year—is certainly very impressive and offensively the numbers they put up especially against
0: other good teams was really impressive yeah man i i I stick out here i'm an outsider because i always take up for oh one miami and uh you know they just my buddies man they're like oh you're crazy you know uh 19 lsu and joe burrow and justin jefferson but um i just i love that miami program man and and i hope they get back as quick as possible um Christopher, man, one thing I want to ask you—just one last thing, man—the um, college football playoff not expanding uh, beyond four teams until 2026, they say. Did they make the right call, or was it a bad call not to expand to? I guess they're saying eight, or maybe even 12. I don't know. What what is your uh, what is your take on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of impartial on it, to be honest. I think what what you're seeing, though, and, and I don't know how you're going to change it. There's just not a lot of incentive with bowl games. It, it keeps it, it seems to keep drifting away from it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, until you have some sort of incentive at the end of a season, whether it's a playoff or whatever it might be, I think it's a little maybe it's a little complicated in terms of scrapping everything with, with all the bowl uh, history or do you combine playoffs with bowl? i think that there's a lot of uh, it seems like a complicated thing to decide on mm-hmm. you know but, but what we've seen here like and you've covered you've paid attention to college f- football a long time is mm-hmm. everything's progressive you know as though at one point would there ever be a playoff you know the bcs system you know at one point that wasn't even <laughs> before that they even do that you know mm-hmm. some teams uh, you know, you just got voted in and to the bowl game and however it played out, the voters voted on the champion and that created a lot of controversy. So a lot of things have progressed over time. I, I'd be surprised if it doesn't expand at some point just because we've seen it. The one thing I would say though, it, it would create more excitement and whatnot, but the one thing you can't argue about this four four teams getting in is it seems to be the top four teams getting in. I don't know in years past, we didn't even know if the best four were in or, who was even the best champion. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't even know who the best team was sometimes. Sometimes they wouldn't get voted in or at the right Bowl game the way it worked out. But I do think that the best four get in. I think that was always the goal. So at least they're getting that right. And, I, I you know, I think it um, shakes out where the best team does win when you only have four teams. But certainly the excitement of everything, and I know people argue about, you know, it would it diminish the regular season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but certainly... Uh, you can
0: go both ways. I uh, didn't give you a straight answer. I was kind
1: of no, man, that's that's talked
0: about it. Dude. That's perfect. And uh, you know, my take on it is, uh, my Auburn Tigers. They, uh, I feel like they got robbed in two thousand and four, not getting a chance, going undefeated in the in the Southeastern Conference, man. Um, and it was absolutely heartbreaking to not even get a chance to play in the national championship game. Uh, not getting a chance to play in a playoff to to play in Oklahoma or USC that year and to g- just get a a shot and then you know like last year A&M had one loss and they were sitting there at 5 and 6 and and back at 5 and oh we didn't get in well you know my stance on that is you shouldn't have got blown out by 30 you know uh, uh, you know against Alabama so um I'm a huge fan of of just keeping it at 4 because I feel like you said the right team always wins. And I feel like if you expand it, man, it's just asking for more – I mean, I hate to say this, but it's asking for more blowouts. Um, because this year we got two games that were just absolute duds. And um, and then, you know, you got the the national championship game. And, and I just feel like if you expand, man, it's just – it's just you know more meaningless football, and let's just get to the point. Um, and that's my take on it. So, uh, man, Christopher, I have enjoyed this. Um, I I really enjoyed listening to uh, your takes on Miami football and and everything that we went over. If you could, man, could you could you uh, give my listeners a way to follow you? And uh, you know, I know inside the you I know you do some stuff on YouTube, and uh, could you give us a rundown on that, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the site, and definitely appreciate you, man. I've listened to your podcast. You're doing great work. Thank um, you. Keep up the good work. Listen to your, uh, you know, the Nebraska one there. So That was good. Um, so just keep keep pushing ahead, man. You're you're doing great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, insideu.com, like you said, that's the website. Love it. Articles on, on the team and, and the web, you know, recruiting and everything there. And then also YouTube. I've been able to pick up on that and do a lot of stuff on YouTube. It's inside the U. Um, you can search for that on, on, YouTube, uh, do interviews. And I like interviewing, um, kind of like what you're doing here, where you just interview different reporters or, yeah. or do some sit- long form stuff with, with players, you know, um, to get their take. And that's always great to be able to do a little bit more long form stuff there. So, um, and, and then Twitter, I'm on there, um, uh, at InsideView as well. So those are kind of the, the spots that I'm at. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the site and YouTube. i having a lot of fun
0: with that for sure. Man, Christopher, uh, you know, hopefully I can get you back on maybe uh, right before the season or, or during a bye week, and we and we can give a uh, we can give like a little uh, um, a report card grade or or, or mid season review for the Miami Hurricanes. Man, uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, whenever you want. Like uh, like I said, you know how to reach me. Uh, definitely hope to, to be on again. soon. Thanks, man. Man, I appreciate it, and we'll talk soon, Christopher. All right, take care. All right, man. Wow, everybody, Christopher Stock. (laughs) What an episode, man, covering the Miami Hurricanes. Absolute great stuff. Uh, You just heard it, everything he went over, recruiting, Mario Cristobal, uh, Tyler Van Dyke coming back from that 2021 season. Expectations, talking about uh, the Miami fan base and how excited they are and just everything that you want to hear about Miami Hurricanes football. Go check him out on social media um, and, and get on YouTube, man. Watch his InsideTheU.com stuff. Uh, some of his interviews with with past players and and going around and uh, getting people from 247, I've watched uh, quite a few of them here lately, and uh, they are awesome, man. He does really, really great work, and uh, his interviews are Amazing. So uh, if you have any interest in the in the Miami football program, go check Christopher Stock out. And Christopher, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely enjoyed it, and I uh, can't wait to get you back on. So everybody, uh, if you could, run over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give me five-star review if you could. If not, just, uh, you know, <laughs> hate it for me. So, uh, man, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, and, hey, until the next one, I'm out. I'll catch you all later.